Good morning, everyone. My name is Don. I'm one of the pastors that hangs around here every now and again. On weekends when Matt is having fun, I work. I just want you to know that. No, it's great to be able to fill in. And um, I think all the good pastors are gone, just like us, around now for the weekend. Glad you're here, though. What a great, great weekend to be in church, isn't it? Would you rather be up in the snow where it's cold? No, it's better here. So we've been talking in this series about, won't you be my neighbor, Mr. Rogers? Has anybody not seen Mr. Rogers? Have you never? You know how many, how many years he was on television? 31 years, 31 seasons. That's a long time. So I got a little, little trivia for you. See how you do with this. I'm going to give you three descriptions of Mr. Rogers. You tell me which one's not true. He was a minister. He was a musician, and he was a Marine. How many say minister? Not true, not true minister. No, he's a Presbyterian minister. How many say musician? He learned to play the piano at five years old. Most of those songs he wrote, and he wrote other songs and operas for children. He was not a Marine. There are some rumors going around that he was a Marine sniper. <laughs> and that the reason he wore cardigan sweaters is to cover up his tattoo that said, born to kill. <laughs> Can you imagine Mr. Rogers, born to kill? He wasn't even in the service. So that, okay. So the sweaters he wore, donated by a, a big giver. Most of them came from um, um, Macy's. This is true, false. You're trying to figure this out. Or those sweaters were all bought at a secondhand store because he's a very thrifty guy. Or, give me a third one, his mother hand-knitted each one of them. That's it. His mother hand-knitted each one of those cardigans. Pretty amazing. Here's what he's known for in my book. I, he has a great quote. There are three ways to ultimate success. Be kind. Second is, be kind. The third is, be kind. When Jesus talks about how do you get eternal life to this, this lawyer guy, he says, let me just tell you, it's about loving God and it's loving others as, as you love yourself, loving your neighbor. And the guy says, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus says, have you never watched Mr. Rogers? <laughs> no, Jesus, Jesus tells a story of Priests and Levites that go down and they see this guy on this road from Jericho to Jerusalem that is all beaten up and robbed. And the priest goes around him, sees him, goes around him. Levite sees him, goes around him. Religious leaders. And then this Samaritan of all people despised. People hated Samaritans. Not only because they were ethnically differently different, but they were like traitors. And the Samaritan becomes the hero of the story. And we pick up in that 10th chapter of Luke with that story. Verse 33, a Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was and when he saw him he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine and then he put the man on his own donkey took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, 
And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. The priest came, saw, wasn't moved by what he saw, walked around. The Levite came, saw, wasn't moved by what he saw, walked around. The Samaritan walked by, saw, and as Matt led us last week, had compassion. His heart was moved by what he saw. And then this step, he went to him. He went to him. So the first thing we're talking about in this whole how to be a neighbor is compassion, to, to see and to be moved by that. But compassion without action is nothing. And the action that we're calling us, that we think this passage is calling us to, is the action of hospitality. Hospitality. Hospitality is a word that's kind of got hijacked in our culture today. Blame Martha Stewart for that. You know, we think hospitality now is decorating everything up and, you know, then inviting everybody over and they say, oh, what? And, and that's great. If you do that, I have no problem with that. Come October, our house has pumpkins and gourds and all those kind of things, skeletons. And, <laughs> and then Christmas comes. I'm not even sure. Are we done with, are we done with Christmas decorations? Yeah, Lori, I can't. We, all, all for that. But that's not what biblical hospitality is about. Biblical hospitality is a little more than that. Some of you are going, well, I know you can, go to the, you can go to like a university and get a hospitality degree. Yeah, if you want to be like the, in charge of a resort or a restaurant, I could be nice to you if you pay me enough money. That's not hospitality. <laughs> hospitality, that word is, is the, the root word for the word we have for hospital. And it comes from the, the French background of the hospital of God. And back in the, in the Middle Ages, it was decreed to every city that has a cathedral to have a hospital that pilgrims and sojourners and people in need could stop and they could receive help at the, at the house, the dwelling place of God, if you will. You take that idea and put action to it, the dwelling place of God. Not only that people can come to the dwelling place of God, hospitality is taking the dwelling place of God to people. Taking the grace of God, the goodness of God, the the, the, uh, the benevolence of God, if you will, to others. So I put a little definition of, of hospitality up here for you. It's the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, and strangers. Notice what's not in that. Your little normal circle of friends. Okay, I know some of you are nice people to your close friends. I know some of you entertain and reach out to your friends. That's easy to do. That's not called hospitality. That's called a click. <laughs> You're being a click because nobody else can get in that thing. Hospitality goes beyond that. The benevolence, the goodness, the taking of, of, of all the goodness of God to others, especially to, to, the, to the ones that need it the most. The sojourners, the strangers, the hurting people. Hospitality. It's a really pretty cool word when you think about it. It's, it's compassion moving us to act. It, it comes from what God did for us. God, God was hospitable to us. While we were strangers to him, while we were rebellious to him, while we were enemies to him, he opened it all up. Jesus on the cross with open arms saying, come on in. You can be a part of my kingdom. You can be part of my family. 
I'm going to adopt you as children. Come on in. I'm going to pay for all the sin that separates us. Come on in. And the expectation of this church is now, hey, you guys, take the hospitality that you received and take it to the world. Take it to those who need it. Notice how, how this Samaritan responds and, and reacts. Says, um, says he lifted this, this wounded guy up, put him on his donkey. First he bandaged him, all his wounds, poured oil and wine on them. That was the medicinal purposes at that time. And then he took him to the inn. And he paid for him to stay at the inn. I, I love those three things because I think those are things that we can do. He, he lifted this guy up. Now, if the only time you're going to look for hospitality is like on this dangerous road from Jerusalem to Jericho, most of you are going to say, I'm not even going to go on that road if it's that dangerous. I'm not going to, if I see somebody on the side of the road and they're all beat up, I'm just driving by. No t- I mean, we kind of fit into that priest and Levite thing for whatever reasons, probably valid reasons. Here's what I want you to know about our culture today. You don't have to go to a dangerous road or even a freeway or even out anywhere to find lonely people that are off on the side, broken down, beat up, all alone, and no one there to help. You remember the Beatles? All the lonely people. Where have they all come from? All the lonely people. Eleanor Rigby, remember that song? That's such a true statement of our culture. There's a, there's a book that I um, got in contact the other day with. It's called The All Better Book. It's, it's a book when the author puts all these big statements out to children for solutions. Let me give you a couple of them. She asks... Um, how do, you repair, how do we repair uh, the hole in the ozone layer? Sarah, who was eight years old, says, well, you, let some dirt in, you get some dirt and seeds and then you plant flowers over the hole to make it look pretty for the aliens. <laughs> okay. Tell people, tell people that, when we tell people that, that smoking is bad for them, they don't, they don't listen, they don't, it doesn't work. So what would you do to help them? Alexis, eight years old, go to a smoker's house, pretend to smoke, and then die. (laughs) A little dramatic, but it gets the point across. One of them is, um, you know, people are just unhappy at their jobs. What would you suggest to people's boss to make them happy? And Andrew, nine years old, says, pay them double and have a big tickling machine for the unhappy workers. <laughs> I'd, I'd kind of sign up for that one. But here's the, here's the really serious question that was asked. With billions of people in the world, someone should be able to figure out a system where no one is lonely. What do you suggest? Billions of people in the world, someone, somehow, ought to figure out a system where no one is lonely. Kalini, Kalani, eight years old, people should find lonely people and ask their name and address and then find people who aren't lonely and ask their name and address. And when you have an even amount of both, you put them together in the newspaper. (laughs) Or you could do like a double date night, which we're... 
which no one signs up for. So, this is my favorite one with that. Billions of people, how do we make them? Make food that talks to you when you eat it. For instance, it would say, how you doing? What happened to you today? I'm doing fine. How are you? You're going to get billions of people. We laugh at that, but do you know, it's a serious problem. In the United Kingdom, loneliness is at such an epidemic that the Prime Minister, Theresa May, I think just this last year, appointed a Minister of Loneliness to the Cabinet to help deal with it. In Japan, they have a, a word now that describes lonely deaths of elderly people. It's called kodokushi. And it came a few years ago when they discovered a 70-year-old man had been dead for three years in his apartment, and no one knew it. He had automatic withdrawal for his, his rent, and until that money ran out, nobody checked on him. There's a name for it. It's so common in Japan that there's a name for that. In America, the former Surgeon General wrote an article in, the, in a Harvard Business Review, and he talked about loneliness in the work, and he said this, when I was a doctor, the most common pathology that I dealt with was not cancer, was not heart attacks, was not diabetes. It was loneliness. Loneliness. He said in that article, over 40% of Americans, 40% say they have significant levels of loneliness that they deal with on a daily or weekly basis. He said, it is so dangerous. It is more dangerous than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. All the lonely people. You think with billions of people in this world, someone could come up with a system to reach the lonely people. What shakes me up is I don't think those statistics are only outside the church. I think some of you are dealing with the same thing. And here's what I know. The system has been put in place. It's called the church. It's called people of God like you and me who practice hospitality, who care, who are kind, who reach out, who make a difference, who, like the Samaritan, lift one another up. Lift one another up. Wouldn't it be great every time you came to church, you were lifted up by someone? Everywhere you walked, you'd come in contact with a, a Christ follower who would lift you up. Lift each other up. And then he, he carries their bird. He puts, he puts them, this guy on his donkey, bandages his wounds, and takes him to the inn. And uh, he, he carries the bird. Hospitality is carrying one another's burden. It's... it's it's too much for us to carry it on our own, that we carry it with one another. Do you have anybody in your life that helps you carry the burden? Galatians' whole book talks about how we're not under the law. It talks about the law of Christ. You know how to fulfill the law of Christ? Help carry each other's burdens. That's how you fulfill the law of Christ. I was reading a, a, a woman, I made a phone call to a friend and said, um, hey, how you doing? 
And she answered, I've got this splitting headache. My back and legs are killing me. The house is a mess. My children are going crazy. My husband's at work, and I'm all alone. I feel so lonely. And this lady said, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm coming over right now. You get down, lay down, rest. I'm going to come over. I'm going to clean your house. I'm going I'm to make, make a meal for your whole family for tonight. I'm going to take care of your kids until your husband comes home. What time does Sam come home? The woman says, who's Sam? Your husband, Sam. My husband's not named Sam. Oh, no. That's a wrong phone number. Long pause. Does this mean you're not coming over now? <laughs> the burdens we carry are nothing new. The burden with relationships, the burden with our health, the burden with finances, anxiety, discouragement, loneliness. There, there are nothing new about the burdens we carry. What's new is no one's coming over. No one's coming over. We carry it all ourselves. One of the things we've done in, for the systems of, of this whole thing is in our church, <clears throat> we have these community groups where you can come and you can read the Bible, you can go through lessons. We've got, we got this great study coming up in March that's going to take us through Matthew. New journals are going to be coming out. And it's just, it's just an opportunity that we can share and care for one another in our burdens. Maybe you're not a part of this group. March would be a great time to join a, a part of that. I, I, it reinforced with me the other day when uh, we have this thing called Starting Point. Cameron and I do it together. And it's for those who aren't in a community group. And it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of tough to just go into somebody's home, you know. So this is meets at the church. We just do it for a few weeks. And it's a starting point. Where are you starting with Christ? Are you starting over? Is it a new start? And talk a lot about that. But it's also a starting point of, of how to get in where you just share your life and carry one another's burdens. And, and our focus has been mainly, you know, like, okay, is, your, is, your, is this a starting point for you? We go through Andy Stanley's thing, you know. The first, I think it was the first or second week, I can't remember, we're talking about Abraham and belief and trust. And we, we go for an hour and a half, and, and I'm like, I'm watching the clock because I want people out. Eight o'clock, I tell Cameron, eight o'clock, we're, we're getting them out of there no matter what. It's eight o'clock, we're done, and Cameron goes, oh, by the way, anybody have anything any prayer concerns? We're going to pray. Anybody have? And I'm going, just pray and shut up. we got to get out of here at 8 o'clock. I, I said that in a nicer way. Like, that's what I said. But um, he goes, no, no, we need to, we need to pray. And, and so some people start to share. And, and one, of the, one of the ladies in our church says, um, my, my brother died this week. Sorry, Cameron. You're right. And we prayed for her. And I sat there. It takes me a while to get up, so I sat there. And I watched. I think this was our first week together. Everybody in this, this circle that we had on the way out got up and walked over to her and her husband, gave them a hug, gave them condolences, cried a little bit with them, and out they went. And I thought, oh, my. We came so close to missing it. My agenda was, hey, get this knowledge in your head. And 
God's agenda was there's at least one person who needs the burden carried today. And I thought, all, all the people in our church, I know it's a smaller percentage that's in a group. If you're not in a group, if you're not in a circle of people, who carries the burden with you? Who do you have to help bind up the wounds and the bruises to be there for you? There is a system for lonely, wounded, broken people like us. It's called the church. It's called compassion that acts itself out in hospitality. And one other thing, he paid for everything. Took him to the end, paid for it, said, I'm coming back. If there's more, I'll, I'll pay for it. He, he, just, he just poured out his resources. He shared his resources. Well, that's so cool. I wonder if Jesus was going, you know, that's, that's really what I want you to get. That's what your money is for. I mean, I know you've made all this money. You've earned it. You've worked hard. And you give a certain percentage to the church. God, here's yours. I'm going to do whatever I want to with my money from there on. And I think Jesus is saying, yeah, but you know, if you could just look at what you have as something you could steward to show love, to show hospitality, to take the dwelling house of God to somebody, if you could just do that, you would, you'd be so better. You'd find joy that you don't even know about if you could just do that. This guy paid for it all. I mean, I think... Our money, our resources, our home, our second home, our church home. God blesses us in order that we might bless others. This guy, I don't know how much money the Samaritan had. Doesn't say he was a rich Samaritan. Says he was a despised Samaritan. But he took care of this guy. I get, I do that except for I have a couple problems. I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I'm tight. In fact, when you talk about hospitality, I'm the wrong guy. Lori should be up here talking about hospitality. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was filling up gas at Costco. It was a Sunday afternoon. I was heading for a meeting. There was somebody walking with a, like a two-gallon can asking people to put some gas in their, in their can. I've learned a long time ago when you see those kind of people, don't look at them. And so they're going around, it's a couple, and they go around, and, and uh, everybody's going, no, 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 and I'm going, don't look at them, don't look at them, don't look at them. Oh, I looked at them. Here they come. Oh, oh no. Okay, give me your can. While I'm pulling it out of the, the car, put it in my, not quite two gallons, right about $5. Give it back to them. They just stood there until I looked at them again. Thank you, sir, they said. And they went away. I'm on my way driving out, and I see around the corner they park their van. And they're putting the gas, and I'm sure what they're going to do, they're going to fill that van up two gallons at a time. And I drive out going, that's probably a scam. They probably do that all the time. They'd probably get a whole bunch of it and sell it to someone else. I, I spent $5 on those people. What a waste. $5. Where's the Starbucks at? I need a $6 cup of coffee. 
I mean, I hate the idea that they might waste money, but let me go buy some coffee for six bucks. That's a good use of money. Jesus says, would you just look at yourself? Would you just look at yourself? Just because you spend it on your, yourself, it's okay? I love, I love what Hebrews 13, 2 says. It says this. When you entertain somebody, when you, when you show hospitality to somebody, chapter 13, verse 2, some people entertain angels unaware. Woo! I'm going to close here in a minute. This is, I'm just curious. How many of you have ever had an encounter and you walked away from that encounter, encounter later on and you went, I wonder if that was an angel. Would you raise your hand if you've had that? Just keep your hand up for a minute. Yeah. I mean, that's so weird and so spooky. We don't talk about that kind of stuff. In fact, if you would tell me one of your story, I probably would turn my head, roll my eyes, and go, oh, yeah. And I'm a pastor. You know, I'm supposed to believe in those kind of things. I go, oh, yeah, woo-hoo-hoo, yeah, woo-hoo. Until that kind of thing happens to you. And then it's, oh, my, woo. That lady and that man at that gas station, if they were my neighbor, would I help them? Well, depending on which side of the neighborhood, which side of the house, yeah, one of them I would. <laughs> if they were my family, would I help them? Yeah, same kind of thing. There's some parts of the family, but probably. If they were an angel, would I help them? Yeah, I think it would. If it was Jesus, would I help them? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I would. Wouldn't you? If it's Jesus, of course it would. Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I needed clothes, you clothed me. When I was sick and in prison, you visited me. When, Jesus, when did we see you and do that? When did we see you and feed you? When did we see you and visit you? When did we see you and give you clothes? As you did to the least of these, you did it to me. When we show hospitality, benevolence, goodness, grace, friendliness to someone, it may be an angel. It, it more than likely registers for sure with Jesus. That's his words, not mine. Hospitality. So close it all up. Give me, I'm going to give you quick steps. Ready? Number one. This is, this is for some of you are going, I'm not going to Costco if they're going to cost me. I'm not going on the free. I'm not stopping no matter what. Here's what you need to do. Easy. This is easy. Greet everybody you meet in the church, in your neighborhood. And introverts are going, are you kidding me? Extroverts are going, I do that anyway. Introverts, are you kidding me? Just greet them. Hey, how are you? My name's Don. Listen for their name. Next week, hey, good to see you. Say their name, Sally. It was nice meeting you. I watch you come in and out of church. Some of you are sitting with people you don't even know their name. You know absolutely nothing about them. And we're church, we're family, we're a community, following Jesus, 
learning to love. Wouldn't it be nice to know the name of the person next to you? Wouldn't you love it for people to know your name when you walk in? Well, let's be a little more hospitable then. You think that's bad for introverts. Here's a second one. Engage with people. <laughs> Take it a little further. Ask open-ended questions. Have discussions. Whoa, you know, how long have you been married? Where are you from? Where do you work? You would say, oh, I, I, that's getting kind of nosy. And it's amazing what people will tell you when you ask them open questions. You know why? Everybody wants to be known and to know somebody. Take it one further step. Go eat dinner together. Go out for a meal together. After church, go out for lunch. Back in the old days, Lori and I had people in our house every Sunday. And then we had Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, jam people in the middle before I have to run off. And that was, there was something special about it. We've lost that today. I, there's something holy about eating together. There's something that happens there. That's why all these feasts in the Bible, that's why the Lord's Supper, cool. cool. Good food, good drink, and good company. It's, it's a great thing. Great chance just to get to know one another. You can't have everybody out for lunch or dinner. So just start with Lori and me and we'll, no. <laughs> one last one. Pay attention. Pay attention for opportunities. Let me, let me even throw a little bit more. Pay attention to opportunities even when it inconveniences you. Even if the person can't pay you back. Even if the person doesn't deserve it. You don't have to go on the road to Jericho to find opportunities that are out there. Just pay attention. Some people say this. Those distractions of those kind of people keep me from the purposes of God in my life. That was the priest and the Levite. Those, that guy that's a distraction is keeping me from the purposes of God in my life. Here's the truth. Those kind of people are the purposes of God in our life. It's about people. And it's about us taking the household of God to them. Hospitality. Won't you be? Won't you be? Won't you be a neighbor? Let's stand. I always wonder what happened to this guy, this, this, this log guy. I wonder if he, he said, okay, I'm going to be a better neighbor. I wonder if he said, um, no, nah, that's a nice story, but forget it. I don't, I don't know what happened to him. All I know is he heard. He had his answer given to him. I don't know how he answered. I don't know how he responded. But, you know, the point of the story is not what did the lawyer do. The point of the story is you've heard. Now you know. You were challenged. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Lord, I've got to confess I'm more like the priest and Levite. It doesn't come natural for me to be hospitable. I pray that you would forgive me for the times that I'm more centered on myself than on taking, taking the good news to others through kindness and acts of, of goodness. I pray, I'm going to pray a bold pray, Lord. Lord, I'm going to ask this week that you would bring wide open opportunities to every person here <laughs> and rattle our cage with it 
and turn on the light in our community. In Jesus' name, pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you.